Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Erica and I will be talking all about discovering your spiritual beliefs. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're We're your hosts, hosts, the Mystic Mystic Sisters, Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week, and we look for the moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Ten of Wands. The theme of this card is taking on too much responsibility. This is a dumb way to carry wands. He's hunched over. This is a really good way to hurt your back or trip and fall. And so this is someone who is overwhelmed by the amount of work that they've taken on and they've lost sight of why they're doing it in the first place. And they can't even see the picturesque scene in front of them because they've become so buried in whatever they're working on. It reminds me of Gus Gus when he's picking up the corn kernels in Cinderella with oh, he's yeah. like stacking them and he's like holding on to them with his teeth and like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. he, it's just it's it's not it's not good <laughs> yeah and so usually this card is kind of showing somebody who's taken on the burdens of others in addition to their own and they're not really asking for help or receiving any help regardless of if they ask for it. So this might look like in a relationship, somebody who's doing the emotional labor for both people. If it's a career situation, it's somebody who is working overtime and covering up for other people's mistakes and like taking on everything as their own responsibility. And eventually in whatever situation that you're taking on these burdens, you're going to burn out. And so that's that fire element of the wands of your the bonfire that you are holding in your hands is going to burn all of the fuel that you're holding and then you're going to be exhausted and burned and it's not going to work out the way you want it to. So Erica, do you have a story about the 10 of wands when you felt maybe overburdened or burned out or anything like that? Oh my gosh, so many stories. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> I mean, it's just, I feel like I am this, I am this way. So I'm um, instead of talking about when I felt this way, I'm going to talk about how I've tried in recent years to not do this anymore. I'm an empath. And so I take on the feelings of other people. I can catch on to things really quickly And so because of that, I can look at a project that I see somebody is struggling with and know how to do it more efficiently and more quickly. And so I just take it on for them. And that's not like a toot toot thing. It's actually, it's a bad thing because I'm not, I'm not helping them learn. I'm just doing it for them. In recent years, I've really tried to take on the mantra of not my circus, not my monkeys and just focusing on what is my job and just doing my job. And I think that that has been helpful because I like to be busy. I like to keep my mind occupied and there's always something for me to work on. And in my new job that I have, I'm able to take on projects that do help out my boss, but that's the role that I've been assigned is that I'm I'm basically taking on these projects that she 
doesn't have time for. She calls them um, her, you know, level C projects that would be really helpful for the company, but she just doesn't have the time to do so. And so they, I've been assigned her project C list. The picking up the sticks and dropping another one, you know, losing sight of what you're doing in the first place. Why am I picking up these sticks? Where am I taking them? I think it's always important to go back to the why and think that through so that you're not being overburdened and overwhelmed. Yeah, because sometimes it's okay to have a lot of responsibilities that you're carrying. But I think like what you said is important. The key is why are you doing this? And is it like to help you or your family or your career path or whatever? Or is it just for some other reason that's like not beneficial and just going to burn you out? I was totally burned out in my job as a speech therapist. I was not enjoying the actual therapy piece of it anymore, which is kind of the whole reason I, you know, like I'm in the field. And I think what it was is that in the jobs that I'd had in the past, I was ready for that next step, that higher level of my career. And I wasn't given the opportunities to do it. So I was taking on all these projects, trying to do all of these things to prove that I could be in that leadership position and it wasn't working and nobody was seeing my potential. And so it was just burning me out. But now I'm in a place where that potential and that value is seen. And so I'm doing the responsibilities and the tasks that I wanted to be doing in the first place, but it has a reason and I'm not like begging for them. I'm, you know, like, so it doesn't feel as burn outy anymore. Yeah. And I think additionally, when you do take on more tasks than maybe you can handle, as as long as there's an end point, because like if you look at the person, he's carrying those sticks somewhere and he can't really see where that is, but he has like a home on the other side of the path that he's on. And so he's walking to that path. And so if there's an end point where you know, okay, after I get to this point, I can like take a rest and let go of some of these things that are burdening me but if it's forever and ever and ever and you're just constant you're just continually carrying these ones forever and never seeing the time where you can take a break then that's where it gets really uh, hard so my story about this is the way that my brain works and I think it's probably an ADHD thing is like I get so excited about new projects and so I tend to jump from one thing to the next without finishing the previous one but then I still am like carrying that unfinished project in my brain and it's like making me feel like guilt because I never finished it. There's like these all of these 95% done projects. And that's just kind of like how I have gone through my whole life. (laughs) It's like everything, (laughs) every project I've ever done is like most of the way done. Every paper I've written, it's like I didn't do the last step of maybe like going through and editing it. And you can, and I'm sure many of the listeners have probably read my blog posts of the past before I had a person, you know, editing (laughs) for me where there's a ton of typos and mistakes because I don't take that last step to make sure that it's published ready. (laughs) So, um, so that's kind of how I feel with this is just like carrying all of these unfinished projects and knowing that I didn't do it, but not being interested in going and doing those last 5% and just like, no, I'm really excited about this next thing. So we're just going to put that stick on my back and we'll just keep going. So I made myself a dress and I got all the way through that. I put the sleeves on, I put like everything was done except for the hem. (laughs) And it, that dress hung on my my uh, dress form 
for years, just sitting there taunting me in that same way that you're talking about. I was making a Star Trek, I guess he is Captain Riker now, but he was Commander Riker in the Next Generation show. I was making his costume for Miles, my boyfriend, and I told myself, I cannot start on the Riker costume until I finish this dress. And I looked like I'd forgotten where I was. And I looked at it and I was like, seriously, it's just the hem. It took me <laughs> less than five minutes. That's how it always is. It's like really, really simple things. And I think that's why it's not exciting to like finish the project. Cause I don't know. I, if there's something about like doing the hard part and that's where you get the excitement and the dopamine hit that like you don't really get enough of that with some of the easier parts of a project to make it worth Mm -hmm. it to actually do it (laughs) so it also this card also reminds me have you seen labyrinth yes it's a it's that the people in that land where they all have like all of their possessions on their back Mm -hmm. that's Mm kind of what this card is too which is kind of like a different way to look at it but Mm -hmm. they're but they are they're overburdened with just like material things that don't really matter but they can't let them go so it's sort of like a hoarding card as well right Yeah. yeah well and you know if you think about all of the tarot pictures especially in this classic weight version it's a snapshot of a story Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, there's something that started before the picture was taken and then there's something that will continue it on. And so with this man, I see him, he's been struggling with these sticks for hours and somebody is just watching him like pick up a stick and then drop a stick and then pick up a stick. And then he's like fumbling with it. And he's like, God damn these sticks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have, I have felt that before. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Like there's probably someone looking at me struggling with this. Well, we probably, that's like probably the longest we've talked about any of these cards. So maybe we should move on. It was a good one. It was a good one. (laughs) What are we talking about today, Arka? As we mentioned at the beginning, today we're going to share with you how to discover your own spiritual beliefs. This is because in order to create your own beautiful, powerful witchcraft practice, it can be helpful to investigate what exactly you believe. Yeah, it makes sense. So there are tons of different paths that like different witchcraft paths or practices, different ways that people engage in magical practices. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this episode, some tips for discovering what you believe in, what your spiritual beliefs are, and that will give you a place to start building a foundation for your personal witchcraft practice. Let's start at the beginning. I always like to define things. I know you do too. Um, Just so we're all on the same page about what these words mean. People have different meanings for different words. So what is spirituality? Spirituality as a personal experience that can mean different things to different people. So for some people, it may be a connection to a higher power like God, spirit, the universe, whatever you, whatever label you want to assign to it. For others, it may be a connection to nature or the earth. And it can also be a connection to your own soul or intuition or your higher self. So yeah, ultimately it's up to you what you define spirituality and what it means to you personally, how you incorporate that spirituality into your witchcraft practice. For the purpose of this episode, we will be talking about spirituality where this word means believing in something more than what we can experience in a physical way. So in other words, that there is more to our existence than what we can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. 
what about the difference between spiritual beliefs and religious beliefs? I remember as a teenager, I always used to say that I was a spiritual person and not a religious person. And I follow that up with, you know, because religion can get people in trouble. The difference between spirituality and religion is that spirituality is about where you fit in to the grand scheme of the world and everything, whereas religion is related to a way of behaving. It has a sort of dogma. It has rituals and practices and things that are are done a certain way. Additionally, spiritual beliefs can span many different philosophies, cultures, and religions, whereas religious beliefs are specific to a single religion that they emerge from. Right. So like a Christian believes in a God and an afterlife, whereas a Taoist might believe that there's like a life force energy within us and this life force energy is flowing through all things. And so there might be some similarities between the way a Christian might define their God and a Taoist might define this energy, but there's different practices associated with how they behave in order to like worship that or to celebrate that belief. And how does understanding your spiritual belief help you find the path that is a good path for you to follow? Knowing your spiritual beliefs can help you find the right path for you. So once you have a better understanding of what your spiritual beliefs are, you can begin to think about how they affect your everyday decisions. And then from there, you're better able to make decisions about your life and what others need from you. And we will talk about tips for helping you discover your beliefs after we talk about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Holy Basil. Holy Basil, activate. Holy Basil, activate. 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 Okay. Uh, that's too much fun. All right. So I'll start by telling you about the medicinal properties, and then Maggie will share about the magical properties. So holy basil is different from your sweet basil varieties and Um, So its Latin name is Osimum Sanctum. Literally, sanctum means sacred. It's holy basil. Regular sweet basil is called Osimum Basilicum. So they are different plants. Holy basil is considered a sacred plant, and it was originally known in India as Tulsi. So that's another word you may have seen around um, Tulsi basil or just Tulsi. It was used a lot in religious ceremonies and burials, and it is believed that holy basil will protect any home where it is grown. It's also known to be the best herb for preparing the heart and mind for spiritual practices. So that's a little teaser for those magical properties that Maggie will talk about. It is really great as a nervine. That's one of its most prolific properties. It works directly on the brain. It is uplifting and it is calming. And so it is frequently used to help alleviate symptoms of depression and anxiety. And it can be drank as a tea or taken as a tincture. And it really truly does leave you with a sense of calm and peace. Sometimes when I'm doing medicinal things, taking herbs medicinally, I don't feel the effects quite as quickly as like taking a pharmaceutical. So willow bark versus aspirin. With holy basil, I drink some tea with some holy basil in it. And it it truly is one that has an instantaneous calming effect. 
it's also one of the few herbs that has had some true scientific experiments done on it. They haven't quite figured out how it affects and and why it does the things that it does. But um, all of the studies have been very successful and very promising, and they are doing a lot of research with diet therapy and drug treatment. It's just, it's a good all-around wonderful Nervine antidepressant herb to have in your stock. So the magical uses of holy basil, it corresponds with active energy, air and fire element, Mars and Jupiter, and Scorpio and Sagittarius or any sort of spell or ritual you want to do. It could be used in a wide variety of different things. Love, banishing, wealth, luck, serenity, protection, health, joy, harmony, and flying or astral travel. I think that one's the funnest one because doing the the astral travel, which is flying stuff. (laughs) So in terms of protection, you could plant holy basil outside of your home. It is thought to repel unwanted energies from your living space. So planting it along a walkway that leads up to your front door or whichever entrance you use most frequently or plant having a potted plant just inside your doorway or on windowsills to kind of create this barrier between what you want inside your space and repelling what you don't want. If you don't want to grow the plant, you could also hang a bundle of this dried herb near those entry points. Then in terms of love, this can be added to your like glamour magic practice. If you use makeup or any sort of, you know, skincare products, adding holy basil to that can make you more like attractive using this glamour magic to attract love into your life. Uh, Additionally, if you have a potted plant of holy basil in your space somewhere, it can attract love into your life. Another use is for wealth and abundance, as I mentioned. So you could have a potted plant in your workspace as well to attract wealth into your business life or your personal life. It can also be used as a tea, so drinking a tea with the intention of inviting more wealth, wearing it in a charm or as part of a charm bag, carrying it, creating a jar that has holy basil in it, or some other ritual with the intention of inviting more wealth and abundance into your life. Adding holy basil to a salve or using the essential oils can clear your mind in preparation for meditation as you uh, go into an astral travel practice or for um, lucid dreaming if you have a holy basil tea before bed. And then in terms of harmony and um, like serenity and joy and all of that kind of thing, it can be used to help heal relationships and bring about harmony. Adding it to a, a meal that you share with someone who you maybe are in a fight with, that can be a way to create a harmonious reunion between you two people. Now back to our regularly scheduled episode. Here are a couple tips for discovering your spiritual beliefs. Not everyone has a lot of experience in exploring spirituality, but it's never too late to start. So how do you go about discovering your spiritual beliefs? The first thing that you could do is to just think about what you believe in. And that maybe sounds a little glib because if you aren't, if you don't know, then you might not even know what your spiritual beliefs are. So 
just think about it. Just give yourself a chance to, you know, sit down with a journal or sit down in meditation or something like that and sort of take a look at the things you believe about life and the universe and morality and ethics and all of that kind of stuff. I find that it's really helpful to do this while sitting in nature. I find a lot of inspiration in the natural world. So that gives me the opportunity to think like, what is the purpose of life? Why are we here in this beautiful world? And if you really aren't sure about what you believe in, then, you know, read different books about spirituality, talk to other witches about what they believe in and doing this, reading about it, talking to people. This can give you some words to explain what you believe in. Like if something resonates with you, you can be like, hey, I believe that too. Or it might introduce you to something else that you didn't think about before. Yeah. And reading books is where I started, but I'm a bibliophile, so that makes sense. But I would devour any book I could get my hands on that had anything to do with different ways of thinking. And, um, you know, I was I was particularly drawn to books about astrology, about Mary Magdalene, about nature, craft and fairy world, the fae, all of that. And, you know, really, I was picking those books because those were the things that I believe in. And so see what your interests are. If you, you know, walk through uh, Barnes and Noble and go to their spirituality section. Or your local used bookstore. (laughs) Or your local used bookstore or a library, all of those places. Any place that has a book. And just kind of see what books are you're drawn to and what you pick up and what you flip through. That'll be a good place to start. And you can come into Mumbles Academy and talk with other witches. There's lots of us there. And if you want to see what, if you're really curious, you know, start a forum topic and see what, what responses you get. So what else can you do, Erica? What's the next thing? Well, once you kind of have a sense of what you believe in and are starting to make explore, you can think about how they affect your everyday decisions. So you've written down your list of things that you believe in and, you know, you you can start saying like, okay, well, does it affect what I choose to eat? Am I vegan for purposes of animal safety and protection? Does it affect where you choose to work? I work with children because, and in the medical practice, because I believe everybody has a voice, you know, how much money is worth paying for an experience? Am I doing this because it's going, you know, am I going to this concert because it's a religious experience or spiritual experience for me? All of your beliefs, all of your core values affect your everyday life and decisions. Yeah. And sometimes if you're, if you're having trouble with the first step of like writing down your spiritual beliefs, observing the choices that you're making in your day can help you understand what you believe in. Like Erica said, what you choose to eat is potentially revealing to you what you value and believe in. I mentioned that I believe in the fae and fairies. And so a lot of my decisions about decorations and aesthetic have, you know, it's all very sparkly and pink and feminine because of that fairy element and that aesthetic that I see them as having. And like choosing which bookstore to go to as an example as well. Like, do you want to go to the Barnes and Noble because there's like so many choices or do you want to go to a smaller operation because there's, you know, supporting your local economy 
or even I was learning recently about Amazon, which obviously has a lot of terrible business practices. And at the same time, a lot of smaller authors who can't find publishing through, you know, more mainstream means go through Amazon. And so most authors can find their way into the published world through selling on Amazon. And so there's like a balance of like, do I want to support my local bookstore who can only sell the bigger name published books? Or do I want to support Amazon so that I can support my a smaller author? And so there's all these different balances that you have to make in your life, trying to make the best choice for yourself based on what you believe in and what matters to you. It's interesting that you bring up Amazon because I was just recently reminded that they started out as a bookseller. That's true. That's and, their main uh, thing. <laughs> that's their main thing. And 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 going through that memory of when they first started selling more commercial items and being like, what are you doing, Amazon? <laughs> and now they're this huge online superstore that yeah. you can find almost anything. And get it. And the fact that it, you can get it like within two days, I don't know. It's like kind of crazy that <laughs> that's the world we live in now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. And of course, you know, there's the exploitative practices involved there and also a lot of where some of those goods come from and how people who create those goods are treated. So anyway. All of that goes into your what you believe in, what matters to you, what your values are, making choices the best you can. So the next step is after you know you, you've written down your beliefs and you've seen how they impact your choices, you can think about how these beliefs can be incorporated into your daily life, into the routines that you have and the rituals that you have. So you might create a ritual or a morning routine for yourself, including something that enhances those spiritual beliefs. Like if you believe in like praying or offering, making an offering to a goddess you work, you work with or something like that. If you want to start your day by meditating or lighting a candle, you know, adding these simplistic rituals into your morning routine to bring that spiritual belief into your day. Oh, and like what Erica was saying about the believing in the Fae and incorporating that into the decor with the Fae and incorporating that into the things that you have around your home to remind you of what you believe in. And we've talked a lot about how to incorporate magic into your daily life, you know, with mundane magic and kitchen witchcraft or cleaning rituals, all of those things, just by pulling this little piece of the spiritual realm into those can help make that everyday magic a little bit more sacred, a little bit more special. For Thanksgiving, we it's it's such a problematic holiday. It's hard to know, you know, like, should we continue to celebrate it? How should we celebrate it if we're cognizant of the horrors that the Native peoples have been subjected to? My belief is that we have to get rid of the colonialized, whitewashed story of Thanksgiving. It's, it's one of the only American holidays that isn't based in commercialism. And I think that that's really important to acknowledge and remember. You don't give presents. You're not forced to buy anything except for food. It's all about being grateful and thankful for your family and counting your blessings. And so I think though for me, that belief and that celebration is important, but it has this black cloud of grossness hanging over it. And so my version of bringing some spiritual is into it as I lit a black candle to honor the native people who were victimized 
and just had it lit throughout the whole day while I was cooking. And that was my way of honoring them and saying what was done to you was wrong. And I think it's interesting that you said that about the commercialization. Because I was thinking about that with the seems like Halloween decor was like a huge deal this year, more than I've seen in, well, maybe 2020, it was kind of that way, because that's when they started selling those giant skeletons. Mm -hmm. But in the past, like, I haven't noticed people decorating for Halloween as much as they do for Christmas. Like, it was always like Christmas decor, that is a big deal. And this year, and last year a little bit as well, it felt like Halloween was just as much of a deal And then in between, there's this holiday, another holiday that, you know, most people who celebrate Halloween and Christmas (laughs) were, it kind of was like skipped over, you know, because it doesn't have that same commercialization, I guess. Thanksgiving is kind of like the marker of when it's acceptable to think about Christmas in America. So, right. Well, and, and for retail, Thanksgiving is the marker of Black Friday. That's the holiday that they celebrate, which is commercialized again. So I'm going off on a soapbox tangent, but (laughs) that was interesting uh, um, because we were actually just looking in a book that I think mom and dad got Dana for his birthday. Yeah, that's what it was. For each day of the year, a historical fact from Colorado and for Dana's birthday, it was because his birthday is always really close to Thanksgiving. Sometimes it's on Thanksgiving. And it was some year in history. There's two Thanksgivings for what in one year, because for that year, Thanksgiving was always celebrated on the last Thursday of the month rather than the fourth Thursday. And so mm-hmm. one year, the commercial lobby, I guess, was like, we should move Thanksgiving up a week so that there's more time for Christmas shopping. And so Mm -hmm. I think it was Roosevelt was president at the time who created Thanksgiving as the fourth Thursday of November instead of the last Thursday. And Colorado decided that it was going to be too much of an upset. So they had Thanksgiving on both days, (laughs) the fourth and the fifth. (laughs) They were like, if you want to celebrate the new way, celebrate on the fourth. And if you want to celebrate the old way, celebrate on the fifth. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Anyway, that was definitely a long tangent about Thanksgiving, and it's not even Thanksgiving anymore. It's almost no, Yule. it's almost Yule <laughs> Christmas. So, <laughs> and then the last thing: what's the last step for figuring out your spiritual beliefs? Well, so, th- and I think this is probably the most important one, and it's a it's a good way to break away from the dogma that we mentioned before. If you're struggling with the religion that you were brought up with is looking at your beliefs and and evaluating if they're helping you to live a fulfilling life. So spiritual beliefs are not static. They can change, they can grow, they can develop, they can they move with the values that you build over your lifetime and so it's important to understand how these changes have come about have come about in order to know where you stand spiritually. So after you've gone through this process that we've talked about after you've, you know, figured out what you think you believe in or what you do believe in, found a way to incorporate them into your daily rituals and your routines and how they and thought about how they affect your choice, the way you make choices. Again, asking yourself if they are helping you feel more fulfilled in your life, if they're, you know, making you feel like there's a purpose to what to your existence. And if no, if they're making you feel either held back or if they're making you feel stuck in a certain way of thinking and you don't feel like you can grow in any way or reflect, then you can reconsider that and you can look for new beliefs and look for new 
things that align with your values and all of that. It's okay to let go. It's okay. And change is good. <laughs> we are here to support you. If you want to talk with us about it, you can go to Mumbles Academy and somebody will be there to listen to you. Yeah. Just ask questions or whatever you want to do. So what does is, what is this matter? Like, why do we even care about our spiritual beliefs for a witchcraft practice? What does it mean for your practice? And I think it really does build a foundation for how you practice knowing what you believe in. We've kind of alluded to that throughout this episode, but what's the point of doing a spell if you don't know what you believe in, how the spell works, how magic works, how the how the universe delivers things to you, or if you don't know who you believe in or what you call the thing you believe in. Like if you believe in a monotheistic religion, a, a single God, or if you work with a pantheon of gods and goddesses, or all of these different things, if you don't understand those beliefs, then you don't know what practices to engage in. So that's kind of, it gives you a foundation for what you do in your practice. People always say that like a Christian witch is an oxymoron, but I don't think that that's true. I think that you can still practice magic believing in the Christian God and believing in Jesus. I mean, Jesus practiced magic. How else do you explain his miracles? You know, like it's it's okay if you believe in the Christian God to practice witchcraft. And um, you know, there's there's the Kabbalah with his, which is a Jewish tradition that is mystical in nature and and magic practicing. Like there there are ways to have a religion and I and and to identify some more spiritual practice within that umbrella of the religion. There are some people like I've had that conversation on Instagram where somebody asked me if, if it's okay to be a Christian witch. And I said, of course, like, just don't re read the King James version of the Bible because the, he was terrified of witches. And so he added all these passages about witches that were translated from other words that didn't mean witch. And so that's the thing about religion is that there's a lot of these different holy books that were written by a specific person. And maybe it was channeled through God as, as a lot of people believe or channeled through human from God, there's always a there's always a chance of error. And this is true for any religion, not just Christianity. We just are more familiar with Christianity having grown up in a Christian church. But witchcraft is a craft. So you can, as we talked about at the beginning, the difference between like a spiritual practice belief and a religious belief is that religious belief is associated with a specific religion, and then the spiritual belief could overlap between multiple different religions or you know no religion the witchcraft practice is the ritual that you do with your spiritual beliefs incorporating your spiritual beliefs and in some cases there's a religious aspect of it if you have a religion that you follow and knowing your spiritual beliefs will help you to determine you know i do these specific rituals and spells in my practice pulling in my religious traditions and my spiritual beliefs to create something that is my own. So the important thing is to just start small and gradually build up your practice over time. Don't try to do it all at once because that can be super overwhelming. And we talked about that with the 10 of wands today. So don't overwhelm yourself. Don't burn out. Just pick up a few things that feel right for you and work on those things regularly. And as you continue to explore your spirituality, you may find that you want to add more practices to your routine. Again, there's tons of different paths that you can take, whether you 
practice as a Christian witch or a, you know, a green witch or a Jewish witch or a hedge witch or whichever path or eclectic. If you pick and choose from all things respectfully, like we talked about last week, you can try out these different spiritual practices without cultural appropriating and see what resonates with you. And like we mentioned before, letting go of things that don't really fit you. So we are celebrating some goddesses from around the world this season. And so for each goddess, we will give you a theme to think about so that you can build a ritual or spell or manifestation. This might be a good way for you to think about some spiritual beliefs as you are building those rituals. So as always, I am picking from Legendary Ladies Goddess Deck created by Anne Shen. And Miss Freya fell out of the deck as I was pulling her them out. I love Freya. So we're going to talk about Freya and her theme is boldness. And cats. And cats. (laughs) Which look, she's on the page. She's got a little cat at the bottom. The babies. She is a Norse goddess. And the write-up says, playful goddess of love and ruler over war and death. Freya appears before you to encourage you to go boldly forth. Now is not the time to play small. Step into your power, embrace your desires, and take swift action to manifest them fully in your life. Freya's got your back. So, Maggie, how will you invite boldness to show itself this week? That's a hard one for me. I don't feel like I'm very bold. (laughs) So I guess that's why I need it, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Okay, so maybe this will hold me accountable because I've been now everybody who listens to the podcast will know if I don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) I've been really wanting, okay, so there's a feature in Mumbles Academy where you can host a Zoom meeting and I've been wanting to like test it out and see how it works. I used to go live all the time in like Facebook groups, but for some reason I've like, I don't know, I get nervous still. And it, and after being out of the habit, I think it, is even more nerve wracking. So I'm just going to be bold and I'm going to try it out and we're going to see who shows up and we're going to hang out and have a little live call talking about witchcraft. I will be leading the SLP, Speechling Witch Pathology meeting for my company, which I've done before when my boss has asked me to, but I'm going to lead the meeting on Monday and I am going to be talking about new policies and procedures and some new things that my boss and I have talked about implementing. One SLP in particular, I think will have a hard time with one of the changes we're implementing. And so I am asking Freya to help me be bold and be confident in the direction that we're taking the company and that this is the way that it is, but to also be kind and approachable for any questions that come up. We also would love to hear from you. So how will you invite this Freya boldness into your week? You can answer this question by going to witchwanderer.com. Our next episode is actually a bonus episode this week because we loved doing the map the Samhain episode and we wanted to do a Yule episode so since we're coming up on Yule you'll have two episodes this week and in the next 
episode, <laughs> I keep saying that <laughs> word, <laughs> we will be talking about the world card in the first segment of the show. And this card is about the end of a cycle, like completion, fulfillment, freedom from cycles and habits and things like that. It's also about like the reward that comes at the end of a cycle and celebrating achievements, feeling like you are on top of the world and that the world is your oyster, those kinds of cliche sayings. So if you have a story about the world, then send us a voicemail at we listen at talkwitchcraft.com and uh, we'll be sharing our stories as well. You can find out more about this episode by going to mammalsandthings.com slash blog slash 049. Join us next week or, you know, in the a couple days after this episode when we talk about Yule. Make sure that you are subscribed so that you are notified about each new episode, including bonus episodes. And you can help other witches find this show by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Mumbles and Things and join us in the Mumbles Academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folk. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Oh no, my tummy's growling. Oh no. My table, it's broken. (laughs) It's broken. (laughs) Your tummy is broken. Oh no, my tummy, it's broken. Okay.